0: Welcome to The Shannon Plan. This is episode 110. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined as always by Akash. Akash, fresh off of a victory, which is always nice. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic, KP. I mean, it feels like deja vu a little bit. Last year, it was like mid-October, mid-November. 49ers needed a win. Monday night football at home, 94 throwbacks, Rams come into town, backs against the wall, they get a win. We record the pot obviously every Tuesday for the last couple of years. Basically got the save conversation conversation that you know the Monday night game against Rams saved their season. This season, not as dire, one and two, but same situation. Monday night football, 94 throwbacks at home. Rams come into town and they get a dub. It looked very similar. Um, and here we are again on Tuesday recording a pot. Hope you're doing well,
0: man. I am. Yeah, always nice after a victory. These these uh late night games are taxing, but They're brutal. Yeah, it is uh the spirits from everybody else are pretty cool. Like, for example, the team essentially trolling Jalen Ramsey for four quarters. So everybody's probably seen by now what Debo Samuel did on Twitter. He took it to IG, like he's making plenty of different videos on the touchdown run or on his touchdown run and catch, I guess I should call it. So Debo is in the open field. He makes Jalen Ramsey miss, by the way, most people would miss in that situation. It's Jalen Ramsey. So it looks better, but I don't know who would tackle Debo in that situation with that much space. So we're giving him a hard time, but I mean, come on, most people, Debo does that to everybody anyway. On the play, Mike McGlinchey, who had a really good game, by the way, and I feel like we never really talk about when he does play well. Um, he hasn't had a bad season. Keep it moving. Okay, he's running up on the play. He's waving and pointing in Jalen Ramsey's face about Debo Samuel. So that was pretty funny. Um, there was another play that not, nobody, I haven't really seen anybody point out, but I was watching the offense uh, today. And Kittle, on a play where he's just blocking, He's blocking his man. He sees Ramsey across the way, and he just kind of runs into Ramsey, puts his helmet in his face. You can just see him jawing. It seems like they all went out of their way to get under Jalen Ramsey's skin and being the drama queen that he is. And I can say that because I'm a Florida State fan and I've been watching Jalen Ramsey for a decade now. It was clear that he was flustered. So I felt like that was hilarious. And you cannot tell me that they didn't go out of their way to get under Jalen Ramsey's skin. I think these 49ers are just enjoyable to watch because they show their personality like that. What? How do you feel about that? Would you rather root for a team that is kind of, and I guess it's easy for me to say just because, I mean, I just want them to be, it's when you're good, you should be cocky like that. And I like that they are. So how? Do, what's your take on uh, just their whole vibe like that?
1: I freaking love it. And I feel like if you're a fan of any team in sports, There's no better feeling than when your team is badder and better than the other team on the field. They know it. The opposing team knows it. The opposing team's fan base knows it. And it feels like, you know, we talk about the 49ers and Rams a lot as a rivalry, especially under Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. We talked about the two coaches, their history, you know, the Niners being seven and one in their last eight games, having won seven straight regular season games, the NFC title game, all that stuff and it feels like the niners players consistently not maybe disrespect is a, is a strong word but they have a strong dislike and i know they go out of their way when it's the rams on the schedule to make sure that you know they put their pads on they play extra physical they play past the whistle you know i i feel like they take these games personally and as as a fan you should absolutely love it because your team cares that much more about these games the same way that a fan would, right?
0: So, leading up to this game, the 49ers were one point favorites. And obviously, after a brutal loss to the Broncos, people were wondering, like, why are the Broncos favorite? Uh, or, sorry, why is the, you know, yeah, the 49ers favorite? So, you always remember the last thing you see. And we, you would have to ignore a lot when it comes to how the Rams play when they come to Levi Stadium, how the 49ers play when they are at home and how these two teams match up. The Rams were without starting center, uh, starting left guard. Yes, the 49ers were down, Javon Kinlaw, but they got Eric Armstead back. And even though Eric Armstead did not finish the game, their defensive line is so deep that this would have been very tough for the Rams to you know, keep up with the 49ers. And I never really felt like the 49ers would run away with this game, but the way that it played out was I don't want to call it obvious because it's easy to say with hindsight but we like we all talked about this in our chat and and just leading up to the game we kind of expected the 49ers to win and not not to the tune of the score but every number like w- w- just going down the line whether it was how the 49ers are defensively which um, incredible by the way and I'm glad that people are finally starting to put the focus on the defense now that you know, they won a game on in under the spotlight, but this defense has been dominant all year. The scoreboard hasn't really reflected that uh, just because they are two and two as a team, but they've been lights out. And Matt Stafford only has Cooper cup. And when you watch the Rams play, he only trusts Cooper cup. And that was a big detriment to their offense, but uh, let's talk about the defense. So uh, you have an article that is on, that will be on Niner's nation by the time people are listening to this, just about Nick Bosa, that guy recorded. 14 pressures, according to PFF. That was as video game as the Seattle Seahawks did this week. That was more than uh, the Rams and the Cardinals combined. Yeah, he he is a video game. He is insane. So one of my friends reached out to me and he asked, why doesn't Nick Bosa get the same kind of, and maybe respect isn't the right word, but clout as some of the other rushers, like Miles Garrett, like T.J. Watt. And by the way, when we're saying this, those two are obviously great players. Nobody is disputing that. You know who else is a great player? Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. And these numbers are a great reflection of how, just because what he's doing is unlike anybody else right now.
1: Absolutely, and and I thought about that too, and and I wrote about that a little bit. You know, if Miles Garrett or T.J. Watt or even Michael Parsons now were doing that, I feel like they just get greater attention for what they do on a week in, week out basis, and. You know, T.J. Watt has been doing it for a little bit longer. I get it. I think Miles Garrett, uh, what, like a year longer than Nick Bosa. Um, And obviously, Micah Parsons kind of, you know, he's newest to this party, but it feels like he gets a ton of attention probably because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. But it feels like Nick Bosa is kind of the forgotten one for being such a dominant pass rusher. I mean, this season, he had two sacks last night. He has six on the season, leads the NFL. He has 30 total pressures, which is top's in the NFL, which is just absolutely stupid. I think the next highest is Micah Parsons, who has 22. He has eight more pressures than the next highest uh, guy on that list, has 10 quarterback hits. That also leads uh, all pass rushers. His pass rush win percentage is nearly 30%, which, again, all leads all edge rushers. I mean, these stats are just absolutely stupid. Uh, He had 14 quarterback pressures um on monday night which i think pff said was like the second most they've ever given out um to a defensive lineman since aaron Donald, like six or seven years ago like the numbers nick bosa put up last night and just through four games this season deserve so much more attention and it's not just nick bosa i mean i, I also said uh if you look at just pass rush win rate both samson Ebukam and charles Amenhu, all three of those guys are in the top 10 of the NFL in terms of pass rush win rate. They all are above 20%, which is just stupid. And this defensive line comes at you in waves. Chris Kasaric and D'Amico Ryan blitzed the hell out of Matt Stafford last night, which I think you said is smart just because they're on their third string center. They've got a bunch of these backup guards. So what do you do? You attack and you just consistently throw pressure in Stafford's face. I know they doubled Cooper Cup a lot on critical third down situations with Fred Warner, right? So kudos to D'Amico Rhines there. Cause you know, 10 is the only player that's been beating you. So take him away. I just thought this defense played lights out at all three levels. Defensive line starting with Nick Bosa, the linebackers, Drake Greenlaw ever since he got his contract extension, seems to be playing with his hair on fire. 15 tackles yesterday, just flying around Fred Warner doing his thing. I mean, there's a couple of plays where obviously he's in coverage on cup getting PBUs in the red zone on third down. Um, Obviously, we know what he does against the run. And then the secondary, Charverius Ward. That's why you pay a top corner. Another PBU this time in the end zone. That's two touchdowns he's saved in the last two weeks. Ta'onoa Hufunga making instinctual play after instinctual play. This defense has playmakers top to bottom. I can't sing their praises enough. They're first in every advanced metric you use. You name it, they're... At the tops dvoa success rate epa per play i mean they're right there with any very very good defense of the last 10 years through four weeks again can they keep this up we'll find out but through a month this is the best defense in the business and one of the best we've seen honestly in the last like six seven years
0: yeah it's it's really cool to see it all kind of play itself out because they it's so cool. Evident that they have good players. They have good players all over the place. For them to be elite, for them to be this dominant, how they are playing doesn't happen without having this many good players. But I think their effort, their personality, like they take on the personality of the defense coordinator. So like, yeah, I tweeted yesterday or during the game that D'Amico Ryans would blitz on third and 86 if he could. Like he is going to pin his ears back on third down no matter the situation and come after you. You know it, he knows it. Can you stop it? And more than likely... He's proven that they have not been able to. So, as you guys are hearing all of these Nick Bosa stats and we're comparing them to different edge rushers around the league, know that you know Michael Parsons, probably the front runner for a defensive player of the year. As you're hearing that Bosa has more um pressures, whatever it may be, than Parsons, he's done this on 12 year pass rushing snaps. Like that matters. That is huge. It's essentially a quarter, if you think about it. So um, yeah, incredible. I'm glad you brought up uh people outside of Hufunga Peace. Fufunga looks like a star. There's no doubt about it. He is making insane plays. For, and people have to remember, he's only 22, I, I believe it is. So. He's 22. Uh, he's the 4th year niner. He's he's played, he's started seven games, so he hasn't played. He's played more because he did appear in a, a bunch of games last year. But he's he's only started seven games. And that matters just because, think about it, he's been the only guy in those seven games to prepare during the week. So for him to be able to pick up and just, you mentioned instinctual. Like, he's he's seeing the field in ways that few safeties in the league are right now who have been playing in the league for a decade. So he deserves a bunch of props, but so does Mooney Ward. So does Emmanuel Mosley. The value in a defense when your cornerbacks can tackle. Um, I can wish there was a way for me to phrase that. Yeah, like, obviously you want your cornerbacks to cover, and they do that very well. Um, you see Mosley give up a catch here and there. That's normal. Cornerbacks are going to get beat. That is what happens in the NFL. But... For them to be as willing and as aggressive and as good of tacklers as they are is a huge reason why this uh, the defense is so dominant because it just opens up everything else for D'Amico Ryan's. Um, Lenore had another good game. Again, you're going to give up catches to Cooper Cup. He is one of, if not the best wide receiver in the league. When he's the only one beating you, you know you are doing your job. And I think that was, I mean, it was a masterpiece of a game plan from D'Amico Ryan's. Okay, let's talk about these injuries real quick. So, Uh, most of them did happen on the defensive side of the ball so eric armstead as i mentioned didn't finish the game he has a foot slash ankle injury he's just going to be evaluated as the week goes along i imagine um it's i don't really want to say this but it is it is the panthers so i feel like if it is on knowing that it's on a short week like this would be a game you would think you'd be able to get by without whether it's eric armstead who is suffering from that ankle foot injury as i mentioned or javon kinla who Kyle Shannon said he did put up a big fight to try and play but he wasn't that close to going so if a week helps if a week off helps um you know because it's obvious that Kimla had a setback again if you can get by with Ridgeway who played well with Kevin Givens who continues to play well um you can throw so many other names at these teams like Charles and he can come inside essentially all of your edge rushers they can kick inside so they have the depth to your binder um yeah Kerry Hyder he had another active day so like they have the depth to get by um with these injuries. The other one, uh, so going back to the other side of the ball, or let's stick here. So secondary, Kasha Ann said he expects both Jimmy Ward and Jason Brett to return to practice on Wednesday. So they are both eligible to return. I would kind of slow play it still um if I were the 49ers with Jason Verett. Like I don't care if Brett's playing in October. I don't care if he's playing in November, December. Let's get him up to speed by January. That would be my thought process if I was a 49ers brass so um take your time with Brett Jimmy Ward like it's he's going to play there's no doubt about it and everybody's asking like what, what are they going to do because it's clear that they're comfortable with Lenore playing but is that just because they don't have Jimmy Ward to slide down in the slot if Ward come, when, do, when Ward does come back will we see Tayshawn Gibson Samfield? Uh, they can go a lot of different directions when Verrett comes back will Verrett be inserted into the lineup will mostly kick inside like they have a good problem in the secondary and i don't think that anybody's been able to say that about the 49ers in a long long time even in 2019 like sure they were like they were good but a lot of that just became by way of the pressure what we're seeing now from the secondary is as you mentioned getting your hands on passes uh talno hufunga Charveris ward in the in the end zone and I, I mean, Tayshawn Gibson had an interception and he dropped it. And that's the second time. So uh, they are all making plays on the ball. So that's why it's it's pretty easy to look at this and think it's sustainable. Okay. On the other side of the ball, Colton McKibbitts. So already down Trent Williams with a high ankle sprain. Colton McKibbitts, unfortunately, has an MCL sprain. So he is going to be out for a while, as Kyle Shannon said. He also mentioned that the injury was similar to what Elijah Mitchell and Aziz are went through. So essentially – He's probably going to miss a couple months. That means Jalen Moore is up. He did play a little bit, but I mean, Moore only got true, like seven true uh, pass pro attempts, according to PFF. So, I mean, he's still really raw when he did play. I mean, the last week against Denver was pretty brutal. Uh, the, the other option at left tackle would be Blake Hans And he played well, man. So it kind of sucks to see him go down because these guys, I, it just seems like the coaching staff trusted. I wonder, like, will we see Daniel Brunskill at left tackle? Is that kind of like a sneaky option? I I don't know. I, they have a, a bunch of different options again. But what what do you think happens on the office along the offensive line?
1: I'd imagine Jalen Moore gets the first look at left tackles, which is what Kyle Shanahan told us on Tuesday. And if need be, Blake Hans would step in, who, you know, when the 49ers made that waiver claim a couple months ago or last month, we thought could be a spot starter, right, for a couple games at a time, like could fill in at some of these tackle and guard positions, but you wouldn't want, you know, to go into the season with him as a starting tackle. So I think they're in an all right position for being at the, you know, at their third string tackle. Um, I think one of the advantages they have, obviously, is is Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think his time to release yesterday was like 2.2 seconds. They had seven screen plays. Uh, I think Shanahan and Garoppolo really emphasized getting the ball out horizontally and with quick hitters, which is generally where they've been more successful with 10 under center or in shotgun yesterday. So I think we're going to see more of that. and I just think over the next couple of weeks they play inferior teams, so it probably shouldn't matter as much. Um, and you know they get the Chiefs and the Chargers after that, so that's probably where you're hoping maybe Trent Williams can make a run. Um, I think there's a bye week in between there, so you're hoping you can just kind of squeak by these next couple of weeks. Just hope that your team is talented enough to win the next couple of games, and then try to get to Trent Williams and just hope that your coach and the other players can just kind of scheme around it, but. Yeah, these injuries are adding up. I mean, there was a picture or they showed during the broadcast. I don't know if you saw it. You know, the the Levi's suite, right, on the press box level, we've seen it um, with Trey Lance sitting up there, Trent Williams sitting up there, Elijah Mitchell's there. Uh, I didn't see Jimmy Ward, but maybe he was down on the sidelines. But there's just a lot of talent watching on game day like you and I. And hopefully they start to get those guys back because – eventually you know you can only go next man up for so long eventually the injuries are going to start, start to catch up and it's been a constant theme with the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. are just these injuries piling up and I think they can get through some of the defensive ones just because they're so damn talented on that side of the ball I just don't know on the offensive line how much more they can handle uh, but I don't I don't think we'll see Dan Brunskill to answer your original question I think we'll see him at right guard I know Spencer Burford's filled in, but it feels like he's made a couple of mental errors. He admitted to one of them last night on Twitter.
0: Which is great. I love that, by the way. Accountability. I'm all
1: for it. But, yeah, you just have those. You leave 99 untouched between you and McGlinchey. That's just, uh, yeah, not not a recipe for success.
0: That's how you get Brock Purdy. Okay, let's talk about how the offense performed. And there's there's nothing that really illustrates the 49ers, who they are as a team, and the roller coaster that they are than the 49ers offense. So there are times that they look very good, very efficient, very effective at every position. And then there are times where like, there's head-scratching moments, whether it's a play call, whether it is Jimmy missing a throw, whether it is a drop, a fumble in the end zone. Um, everybody is pointing out that the George on the George Kittle play where he didn't get his feet inbounds. Um Brandon, he was open. There's no doubt about it. That is a perfect pass from Jim Garoppolo. Kittle has to get his feet down there. I know that, you know, I, first of all, I don't really blame him for not trying Jalen Ramsey. I don't think any quarterback should be, you know, penalized for avoiding a player like Jalen Ramsey in that situation. I was open. There's no doubt about it. I think that can be true while acknowledging the throw was perfect. It was layered over the defender. Kittle was open. Kittle gets his second foot down. We are not talking about that. Nobody cares because they scored a touchdown. So to me, it's got to be on Kittle, man. But there are a couple of plays like that where um, there's a play they have a perfect play on. And sure enough, uh, Juwan Jennings trips over a defensive end and they aren't able to execute a play. So it's little things like that where alignment might mess up, as you mentioned, like there's miscommunication up front. And like when you tweet things on Twitter, people take it so seriously. It's life and death from play by play. So you could say, hey, that was a great throw from Jimmy. On the next play, you should say you would like on the night. I'm speaking from experience as somebody who tweets from Niners Nation. Um, The next play, it'll be a play poor call. And they will uh, not they, but just people in general will take it like, uh, why are you so negative? Like 30 seconds ago, I was just talking about how good this team looks. Uh, People live in the moment. I think people just need to understand. It's a game. Football is fluid, man. Um, Abs and flows. Yeah, it's that's how it should be. And I feel like we should be able to enjoy the roller coaster that is the 49ers. And like Jimmy Rapolo, he probably leads the charge, man. I actually just watching the game earlier, I felt like he played really well. And I feel like if this is the type that he plays where he, like there are times where he's just going to miss wide receivers. He's not going to look down the field. He's going to take that first level read as opposed to the second layer, which as much as we want him to do that, it's just not going to happen by now. It's like we're four games in. um, We're five seasons in. Five seasons in. Yeah. Nothing's really going to change. You saw on that play that we're we're talking about, that Kittle play. He. Ayuk was so mad. So he's jumping up and down, spinning, and he's walking away. Doesn't even care what happens uh, as far as the result of the play goes. So that just kind of tells you how frustrated he is. But, I mean, we know how good he is when the ball is in his hands. Debo, we talked about the touchdown run. On the play where I believe it was where they had they settled for a field goal on fourth and goal from the one. I know they took a delayed game, but they give the ball to Debo. He is head up with Bobby Wagner. And he runs through the tackle of Bobby Wagner. So I know that we say these things when he does have big plays, but it is very difficult for people to – I feel like people should just appreciate what we're seeing right now from Debo Samuel. He – like when the ball is in his hands, he just makes something special happen time and time again. But, yeah, overall, I, I didn't feel like there were any egregious mistakes. Like, sure, you can point fingers here and there, Um, I I do want – I mean, the way that we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball down the field is I feel like the way that it's going to be with Kyle Shanahan on specific fourth down calls. Like, that's just not who he is, and it's probably not going to change. We might get an outlier here and there, just like with Jimmy down the field, but these, this is how they coach. This is how they play. And if it's going to lead to consistent victories, I've not – that's just – there's nothing wrong with that. We need to see it translate though over the course of time but yeah um offense was good uh defense was better and that's fine right that's how this team is built to win so um what, what did you have any big takeaways i guess the one thing would be and jeff wilson does get a lot of credit because he did break some runs and again if they are going to live in this condensed passing game where you're not throwing the ball down the field just two explosive runs a game are gonna be the difference of them winning. So do you think they'll be able to keep that up with Jeff Wilson, I guess is my question.
1: It's definitely a change or a deviation from how Kyle Shanahan likes to play. And I think Troy Aikman said this on the broadcast and maybe stats uh, messages to us, or I saw someone say it, but basically Kyle Shanahan must've admitted in a production meeting to Aikman that he doesn't, You know, they're not playing the style of football that they want right now because of their running back situation. Obviously, you know, TDP, Ty Davis-Price banged up. Uh, Elijah Mitchell starting running back coming in the season banged up. And, you know, they cut to Michael Hasty, which they probably regret right now, uh, before the season began. Jordan Mason, clearly for whatever reason, they don't trust him with carrying the rock for whatever reason. I think he's got one total carrying like three games or four games that he's been active. So whatever reason, they don't trust him. And so it's all on El Jefe's shoulders. And, you know, since the Monsoon game in Chicago, he's been all right. Uh, broken off a couple of big runs the last few weeks. He's just looked more like himself. Not necessarily going to create, but he hits the hole as hard as any nineer running back. And, you know, obviously had that explosive touchdown run, which was a, a sweet play design there. I know I saw Ted Nguyen and a couple other folks talk about it. Um, looked like their kind of base. Zoro wide zone run but actually was like a wham play kind of cool design you know giving Kyle Shanahan is the master of sort of disguising something one way and then uh, hitting you with something else so really neat design there but yeah offensively you know I thought Debo Samuel is back to being Debo Samuel you know there was kind of a question early on in the season like where's like the Debo Samuel run game isn't working well they only had two rushing attempts yesterday um and they just got the ball to him in space Right with screens, slants, things over the middle where he could just create after the catch, which is his best attribute, right? With the ball in his hands, in space, he is as good as anybody in the league right now. And then outside of that, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I feel like we got to give him credit where credit is due. And, you know, I feel like you get stuck on both ends of the spectrum. If you give him credit for playing like he did last night and saying he had a good game, you get you a know, hundred people coming at you for saying, like, how could you compliment that game? He didn't do anything. He just had to manage the game, blah, blah, blah. And then you go the other end and say, well, you know, he just managed the game, whatever. And you get a hundred different people coming at you saying that he's a winner and they won the game. So I I just think he deserves credit. A, it didn't turn over the ball. You know, the Niners defense is gonna be historically good as long as they've got their key players healthy. The 49ers offense just, You know, needs to play a clean game, not turn over the ball, be efficient, be good on third down, be good in the red zone, take advantage of opportunities. They're going to have a ton of short fields. They've they've already got six turnovers on defense. So I think they're going to get a ton of those opportunities. I just think if you get that version of Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of the season and based off of what we know, I don't think we're going to get that version just because he's been a roller coaster ride. But if you get that version, the Niners are going to be a very, very good team, very hard to beat just because of the way they're coached, the way their defense plays. And if their offense doesn't turn the ball over, has explosive plays in the past game because of their playmakers, they're just going to be a tough out um, on any given night. And that's the biggest question mark. Their efficiency metrics on offense aren't great. They're middle of the pack. I think they're like 21st in DVOA right now. They're in the 20s for both EPA per play and success rate. That will get better kind of as the season goes on. I think as Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play more, they've generally – been one of the more efficient offenses with him, you know, at the helm with Kyle Shanahan. And I think they'll get back to that. And if they can manage to be like a top 10, you know, offense efficiency wise paired with this top two, number one type defense, they are going to be an extremely tough out. And I thought last night was really representative of that. They get up for the Rams always, they have that game circled and they just came out and executed real well. It felt like they had a real rhythm and flow on offense. Uh, I thought Kyle Shanahan called a pretty good game outside of the red zone. Um, You and I talk about it all the time. His fourth down decision-making is a head-scratcher. I'm probably going to write about it on annotation.com for Thursday. He has a play-not-to-lose mentality, and I get it. You have a really, really good defense. You've got a quarterback that you don't fully trust. But eventually playing not to lose gets you beat in big games. Eventually you're going to have to play to win right, go for some of these fourth downs, be a little bit more aggressive in the red zone, etc. And I thought last night they had a shot to basically, – basically a kill shot, basically to end the game right there, go up 21-9, you're at that one-and-a-half-yard line. Hell, I would have sneaked Jimmy Garoppolo on one of those plays to try to score. Right. And instead he kicks the field goal on fourth down. I thought it was a little bit of a conservative move. And I get it. You've got this really talented defense. It's an eight-point game. You're not going to lose. But, again, it's just playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And that's just who he is, I think, at this point. I don't think he's going to change. And I just hope it doesn't cost the 49ers.
0: Yeah, the, the crazy part about that is the aggressive nature that the defense has. Like I, we talked about it earlier, like they take on the persona of their defense And I feel like if he was more aggressive on offense, on fourth down specifically, they would play better. I feel like Jimmy would play better. The rest of the team would play better. So, um, it, But at the same time, as we said, like, it's probably not going to change. But who knows? Um, I mean, you never want to say never. Uh, oh, man, let's let's talk about the NFC West, all right? So, technically, everybody has the same record, but the 49ers are two and zero in the division, and that matters more than anything. Huge. We, as we've talked about each week, it like it it still feels like they are in the driver's seat for the NFC West. The Panthers, they lost to the Cardinals by a lot that game was a lot closer than the score the final score would indicate so it took an essential meltdown from carolina to get by arizona arizona is not a good football team right now seattle they can score geno smith is legit i feel like he is the real deal i think their offense line is a lot better than people and anticipated excuse me i also feel and the niners like beat heavy. the
1: shit out of them the yes. niners <laughs> held uh yes. seattle scoreless on offense and they abuse those two tackles, and they're actually a pretty good offense.
0: Very good, I would say. So, like, if we're talking just metrics in general, Seattle's near the top in a lot of offensive metrics. Geno Smith has a lot to do with that. They have a good running game, so they're they are good on that side of the ball. But on the other side of the ball, they leave a lot to be desired. I am just not sure that. Um, the Seahawks could stop anybody at this point. So it's tough to take them seriously as good as they are on that side of the ball, knowing that they wouldn't be able to get a stop in key situation. And then we just saw the Rams. So Rams are banged up. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon for the Rams. So knowing that I would imagine um, again, like I don't see the 49ers unless they shoot themselves in the foot, not coming ahead or coming out as the NFC West champions. So, Again, long way to go. It's it's four weeks in, still have over half of a season left. Again, they have to be able to weather the storm with the Colton McKivitts and True Williams injury, um, probably looking out about a four-game stretch here with Jalen Moore. So it's going to come back to just the creativity of Kyle Shanahan. Will he be able to scheme around not having his starting tackles just like he did in 2019? Luckily for him, I think that this team is – just more talented overall in general. Uh, 2019 felt like everything rolled right for them. To be clear, like, to be fair to both sides, 2019 and 2022, they are playing a weaker schedule. And we've seen it two weeks in a row now where the 49 ers schedule, like, it's just not tough compared to other teams. And that is going to be big moving forward, you know, especially knowing that they are going to be banged up here. So not only should they win the NFC West, like, is it going too far? And again, this is riding the wave of the roller coaster that is known as a 49 ers So one week we're talking about, are they even gonna make the playoffs? Fire caution in. Yes. Uh the next week we're talking about. So I like I don't want to say that they're going to be the one C. I, I feel Philly. Good that right now the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. But after that, it is a mess. People thought Tampa Bay are legit. They're banged up. They can't throw the ball down the field. It's like Mike Evans and nobody else.
1: Tom's getting divorced. I don't think their
0: defense is as good as people think either. So, yeah, uh, Tom Brady's is going through it, um, literally. So, I feel like Tom or Tampa Bay leaves a lot to be desired. Um, every other team in that division, I don't think you can take seriously. I think it's just Philly in the NFC East. Uh, you go to the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers said, like, this: the way that we're playing right now, isn't sustainable to win so like is it a stretch to say the 49ers can snag the two seed and at least get you know a home playoff game not just the first round if they win but in the second round
1: absolutely we're, we're recording this on tuesday evening so uh you guys can go go back and look at my timeline i tweeted out the team tiers which ben baldwin puts out so from week two to week four basically says jimmy garoppolo taken taking over if you look at their efficiency metrics they're right behind the eagles Uh, both in offensive and defensive efficiencies, So they're in that kind of second tier, right, with the Bills, surprisingly the Jaguars, (laughs) the Chiefs. Um, Yeah, so if you take out that Monsoon game that Trey Lance started and really from week two onward, they've looked better, right? Their offense still leaves a little bit bit to be desired, especially in the second half, right? It's back to that play-not-to-lose mentality with this defense. Um, So I think they will need to get better, in order for the 49ers to have playoff success and just to have sustained success, because the defense, as good as they are, they're going to have off nights. It, They're not going to hold teams to nine points or 10 points or whatever they're doing right now. So, I think the offense isn't going to have to get better. They have the personnel, they have the coaches to do that. So, I think it, they will. And to your NFC West point, yeah, I mean, we said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when Trey Lance went down. The 49ers should absolutely be favored to win the NFC West. I think they're not favorites depending on what book you use. I think I saw in DraftKings, they were tied with the Rams. They're still plus money. So if you want to go throw a little future on the 49ers to win the NFC West, I I like that. Cause like you, you went through the te- the other three teams. And I, I agree. I think the Seahawks are flawed. The Niners beat them already. The Rams are flawed. I we've been banging the drum that the Niners have the better roster. Niners beat them. The other the other team in the division is the Cardinals who seem to be in shambles right now. <laughs> and historically they match up well with the 49ers, but the 49ers kind of catch them in the back half of the season. And I just think, I just think if they can take care of these divisional games, I don't see how they have a path. You know, I don't see how they don't win the NFC West. They have the fourth easiest schedule remaining according to football outsiders. They're already two and zero in the division. And I don't know. I mean, they're two and two. They probably should be four and all right now. It's a different conversation to have. How do you think the Eagles are the best team? I think they're the best. They've got the best offensive line, definitely, of the contenders in the NFC. Jalen Hurd seems to be balling out. They have the easiest schedule remaining, according to Football Outsiders. And so I think their path to the one seed in the NFC, even though it's only been four weeks, is a lot clearer. Um, and ultimately, I think they get there if they can stay healthy. But the 49ers, their ceiling should be kind of right there behind the Eagles. And I think, you know, if they're able to stay healthy, Garoppolo's able to stay healthy, I don't see why they can't win 11, 12 games and be, you know, a number two or number three seed in the NFC, especially with the other teams just kind of still figuring themselves out, trying to find their identity. I think the 49ers have pretty clear identity now that Garoppolo's at quarterback. And it's a matter of just executing kind of week in and week out. And it starts this week
0: with Carolina. Yeah, I think, and it always goes back to, kyle on third down and kyle just trusting jimmy so eventually he's going to have to take the handcuffs off in the second half when the 49ers have a lead because they're going to run into an offense that is going to be able to score on them that's just how the game is built that's it's built for offenses to put up points and what we saw um just on monday night there were a few close calls where the rams were starting to jump routes underneath like this game could have gone the other way if that ball to Debo uh, where he did take off is just a little bit lower, right? So, um there are other occasions where the Rams DB it, it felt like he actually got there pretty early on. Kendrick. Um yeah, I think 6. So, he, they had a couple, he had a couple close calls where again, like there's just contested throws and after that, Chan kind of shut it down. Uh we saw back-to-back screens on I believe it was third down, and that just kind of tells you like he has no interest third in third and thirteen down the field. Yeah. And it worked because you have Debo Samuel. But more often than not, that is not going to be the case. There are going to be teams that are going to be able to take away what you do on third and thirteen. Or Denver. even in third and seven. Right. Exactly. That's a great point. On third and seven, you're going to have to let 10 throw the ball. I thought there were times where he did a good job but it's gonna to have to be on Kyle to design a play or get him in the right situation where they are comfortable, and where he is comfortable and confident with letting Jimmy do just that. All right, so the Niners are good and we know it. The Panthers are on deck. I think we both agree that that is going to be a victory, no matter you know, if Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead do you play or not. So um, keep it rolling, right? Like there's not much else to add. It was a, gr- it was a really good game. I think it was it was good to see this team play a non-sweat game. There were there were times where it felt like uh, the Rams had a chance to come back. Robbie Gold's missed field goal. Like that can't happen. Um, there were times where like Stafford at the end of the game, even though like he was giving the 49ers every opportunity to have a turnover, they were moving the ball, but then Hufunga had the interception, kind of put that away. So again, it was close for a second, but they pulled away. And that was the kind of brand that we want to see the 49ers play. All right, that'll do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Uh, Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know how you feel the show is going. Akash, where can we find
1: You can find me at Twitter, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Appreciate everyone listening to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review, Niner's Nation podcast network, wherever you listen. Head to our website, Niner'sNation.com. KP's done a fantastic job assembling a huge team, and it feels like content just gets pumped out nonstop. And the content's even better when they win because we get to talk about the good things that the 49ers did. And yeah, I think we both expect them to continue rolling against the Panthers. Six and a half point favorites on the road next Sunday, 105. We will be back with you, hopefully after a 49ers win next Wednesday. And with
0: that, go Niners.